Hi, everybody. You're listening to another episode of Escape Your Boring Job Stories. My today's guest is Yassi Zhang. Yassi lives in Switzerland, and we had the chance to meet through work as she's also active in the Crypto Valley space. Yassi is the founder and creator of Fast Track Podcast, a podcast about technology, career, money, and entrepreneurship. And I thought it would be really interesting to bring another person who is into podcasting to talk about the creation process. So Yassi, welcome to my podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us more about what you do? Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My name is Yassi. I was born in China. Then I moved to Singapore and lived there for many years. And after that, I joined a couple of multinational companies and then to be located in Africa, different countries in Europe and back in Singapore. And so right now I'm a content creator. So I have a podcast called Fast Track. And also I generate a lot of valuable contents. For example, my blogs, I read articles often, and then to bring uh, information to people in the areas of money, career, and entrepreneurship. And on the other hand, I'm also a marketing consultant. So I help SMEs and uh, startups to have a marketing strategy. Usually that's kind of difficult for them to launch their business. And then they do not have enough resources to hire a full-time professional. And that's where I come in. So now I'm in the space where I can manage my own time, my own project, and I'm really enjoying it. Tell us more about your previous work experience before you used to work for multinational companies in different countries. So tell us about those companies and what exactly did you do for them? At the beginning, when I graduated from school, I joined one of the world's biggest FMCG companies in Singapore. At that time, I was managing different categories, departments in between sales and marketing. So we need to understand both sides. And then after a couple of years working there, because the pace was very fast, so you really learn a lot. And then I reached bottleneck. I thought, how can I progress further? So then I decided to take a master's study in France where I learned more about international business and overall business strategy. So that really broadened my view. So after that, I joined another FMCG company, also one of the world's biggest one in the area of marketing and sales. And then that is like a special program. So they select a few people from all around the world, and then they deploy those people to different countries on special projects. With that, I got opportunity to work in Amsterdam, to work in Stockholm, to work in Democratic Republic Congo, and also then go back to Singapore again to manage the brands locally there. So overall, I do enjoy a lot and I really learned a lot in those multinational companies. There's a career progression, there's a clear structure, and then there's a lot of varieties of challenge. You know, as I mentioned to you, I had a company in Singapore to help SMEs and startups with their marketing strategy. I did that for a year or so at the side. So when I moved to Switzerland, I want to continue my work in the startup space. So when I get to know about blockchain technology and I was very drawn to that and I thought this is the future. At that moment, I thought like I have to get into blockchain space because I want to be in the growing field. So I joined a blockchain technology company. There I built the brand, I built the marketing team and I grow the brand together with the company. So that was a couple of years ago. Now, due to the global pandemic, a lot of startups are suffering financially. So I, I had to find new ways 
to grow person, also to grow professionally. And I have always been interested in content. And in the past, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Now I listen to a lot of podcasts. Then I thought, how can I generate content for people instead of consuming content every day? And how can I bring value to my audience? When I connected all the dots together, so first, I mean, I was in the marketing space. Secondly, I love consuming contents. I learned a lot from it and I want to produce content and to help other people. And thirdly, I like personal finance. I like entrepreneurship. I like the topics of career progression. In the past years, I always struggled to find the tribe to a group of people who can help me and I can help them and also to find mentors. I guess a lot of people might have these difficulties. So I thought, why not starting a podcast and serve people virtually and to bring guests who have experiences in those areas and share their experiences with my audience so my audience can learn how to you know, manage their money better, how to progress faster in their career, and then how to avoid those mistakes and have a successful startup. So that's why now I'm really enjoying producing those contents and helping my audience out there. And there's a lot of questions that I'm going to ask you about your podcast. But before we move to that, I want to ask you a couple of questions about your experience of working in Asia and working in Switzerland. What is the main difference that you feel or that you observed in your working environment in terms of culture or maybe business culture? I can only say from my own personal experience, even in Asia, if you work in a small company or if you work in a family company, a family business company versus global company, that could be different or even the same in Europe. So from my own personal experience, I can only say that in general, I think in Asia, due to the culture, people have more respect. So they respect to each other, they respect to your boss, they respect to elderly. So I feel in the working space, the lots of people show respect and I really treasure that. And then on the other hand, for example, in the Dutch environment, I feel it's kind of very flat. Everybody has the right to say something in the meeting. However, in Asia, if you have a lot of respect to your boss or to people who have more experiences, then you tend to listen more rather than speak. But here, I guess, because it's a little bit flat in terms of hierarchy, people feel more at ease. And they say whatever they want to say. That's my personal experience. So I think it's good that everybody has a voice. Then you can express your own opinions. And I think second point is work-life balance. Because <laughs> I worked in big companies and then the pace was really, really fast. Sometimes I have to work during the weekend or even <laughs> during my vacation, I had to bring my laptop but um, I think when I was young, I got opportunity to work a lot and also learn a lot and uh, grow a lot. So I guess that's, I wouldn't say it's a disadvantage, but compared to the work-life balance here in Europe, for example, in Switzerland, it's very rare that people stay till late night in the office. And it's very rare that you have a meeting at 6 p.m. And it's very rare that uh, you have to be 24-7 available but back in Singapore, I was in different WhatsApp groups, like a marketing group and sales group and projects group. And then you have to read the message and what's going on is 24-7. So in that sense, the pace, I think, is much faster 
in Singapore and uh, it's kind of slower, but also it's productive in Europe. I mean, it's different working culture, really. Yeah, I also have this feeling, actually, that here in Switzerland, people are more respectful towards work and life balance and they respect boundaries. So when you're off, you're really off compared to other countries, because I also used to work in Mexico and I also worked in Serbia. We used to stay much longer and we worked until like middle of the night. During busy season, when I worked in Mexico, we used to work until one or two in the morning. Not all the time, but just like for a couple of weeks. It was just part of the culture there. And then I came to Switzerland and then we were usually, you know, people go home at like 6, 7 p.m. the latest. And even if you stay until 7, that's already like you're staying overtime. So in that sense, I, this is something that I really like about Switzerland. How would you describe the difference between working in a big company versus working in a startup? That reminds me of a story in the past. When I was hiring someone, when I was still working in big company this person came from a startup space and this person said why now he wants to join a big company because it was very chaotic in a startup space and i thought oh really so that sounds like a, a disadvantage <laughs> sounds like bad right but then when i joined the startup space indeed it was not black and white a lot of things are very ambiguous you have to figure out yourself there is no clear structure so in big companies usually there's a clear structure this is a work process they have this smp and also they have this meeting this meeting this meeting weekly or bi-weekly or monthly with different departments so it's very well structured so information gets passed through smoothly uh, most of the time but in startup space there's no structure there's no process early stage startups and then you have to figure out yourself so i guess for me i like that when there's no clear structure then i can create a structure if there's a better idea you know for the business then i can propose it i can initiate it and then when it's approved it's a good idea then we got to do it so the pace is much faster and then from the proposal stage till action it's very fast. And in big companies, of course, there are other priorities. There's also different departments. Then you cannot take action in your own silo way. So you have to work with different departments because your decision might influence other people's work. And then there might be a different outcome as you expected. So in this way, I think in startup space, you have to take initiatives. You have to be feeling comfortable about ambiguity and you have to have the energy and then always think about what you can do better if no one else is telling you what to do. I think this is the biggest difference between working in big companies and working in startup. Also, there's another point is I think in startup because people focus more on the get the job done. And then in big companies, because there's a process, there's a HR department, there's a talent pipeline. So you also get opportunity to grow as a person. Maybe that part was a little bit ignored probably by some companies if that's not a priority. So it depends on which stage of career are you in and what are you looking for. Then you can decide if you want to go to work for big companies or if you want to go for working for a startup. So it's really a personal decision. So in my point of view, I guess there's a pros and cons in both. They're very different. 
And I also enjoyed a lot and I learned a lot from both worlds. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that I actually think a lot lately is that, for example, if you work for a big corporation, then you have in front of you clear career path, you know, and then you know if, okay, if I work here for two years, this is what is going to happen. I can expect a promotion. I can expect salary increase. And this is how things are going to evolve every year or every two years. But if you work in a startup, if you work in a smaller startup, an early stage startup, usually the structure is quite flat and there's actually no room for promotion. There's no room for to become a manager because uh, the only manager that you have is usually the startup founder, for example. On the other side, usually startups, they never have too many resources and they're always trying to raise money to get more clients. So in that sense, you can also expect to have a really big salary as you would expect or as you would have in large corporations. And the same goes with, for example, salary increase after a few years of working in the company. So there are really some pros and cons. And I really like what you mentioned, that it depends in which stage of your career you are. Because I guess if you are young, you know, and if you're just starting out, then it makes sense to do work like this. But for example, if you are already in later stage of your career, if you have family, then I could totally imagine why people would want to stay in a corporate job and not work in a startup. It really depends. If some people have like a families and uh, children, I think also depends on what kind of startup and at what stage this startup is. The work can be a lot more than in a corporate environment. If the startup is going through like a fundraising and then scale up, or maybe there's some problem, they have to scale down. So lots of change um, when, when you're working a startup, you will just never know what will happen, right? And also if there's not enough fund and there's pandemic and then a lot of startups are struggling while in big companies, you already have a big base and it's more resistant towards this kind of situations. And there was actually just following up on that. I remember sometime in the past, you and I discussed about how it is to work in a big company in the marketing department and then how it is when you work in a marketing department of a smaller company in terms of resources and how founders understand the importance of marketing and how this is related to sales how it is to work in a big company with a lot of resources where you have big marketing budget versus when you work in a smaller company and when you need to figure out the most efficient ways to promote with the small budget that you have this is a very interesting question i have a lot to say on that i was working in the fmcg industry so in fmcg industry companies put a lot of emphasis on growing the brands so when you buy, for example, a ketchup, if you buy a ketchup from Hens or if you buy a ketchup from a private label, 90% of time or 95%, they have the same thing. But the 5% difference is the brand. So why consumers buy ketchup from Hens, not private label? And then you can mark up the price because of the branding, right? And then in marketing departments, FMCG industry, you really have the privilege to have very big marketing budget. You can do very fancy stuffs and then we built like holograms for marketing campaign and then display them in different supermarket. And then also there's like global sponsorship team. And then when they sponsor international sports event, and then you can be part of it. It's very exciting. And then you have all the resources to work with the world's best agencies, creative agencies, PR agencies and a lot of smart people in this space so in that sense i think 
in working in the big companies, you get a lot of exposure, uh, not only exposure to what you can do because of uh, more resources, but exposure to, uh, for example, the agency side. You know, they can bring a lot of cool ideas. They can build something from ground up. But on the other hand, it's also make the job a little bit easy because you don't have to worry about the budget. You have to manage the budget, but you have a big budget. You only need to focus on the delivery. And then for startup, it's much more difficult because you have to grow the brand and the brand is not known. First, there's a brand awareness. You have to let people either hear about it somewhere or see it somewhere. And then second is to build the credibility. And then when people have heard about the brands and then they must trust it before they want to spend a lot of money buying it. There were already few hurdles. And on top of that, if the startup does not have a lot of funding, even before going through all the funding stages, then as a marketing person in the company, then you have to figure out what is the best way to use your money, your budget to get the most return in terms of brand awareness and brand credibility. And you have to do a lot of things yourself. For example, without all these fancy agencies, then you as a marketing person, you have to, you know, collect the tickets. You have to open the door for the events. Then you have to do a lot of hands-on work. I guess this is more for the people who really want to do the jobs themselves. I do enjoy that because when I was working with agencies, a lot of jobs are done by agency. So we manage the strategy part. So now when I work in startups, I get to manage everything myself with limited resources, of course, but you have to think outside of box and um, maybe there are smarter ways to do it. Then you see what kind of uh, environment you really enjoy. There's a pros and cons and it's for different people. And also it comes back to, you know, maybe at early stage of your career, you really enjoy working big companies. You learn a lot. There's a process. There's a knowledge center. There are lots of great marketers. And then later on, maybe you want to start something yourself or you want to create something yourself. I think it's a personal choice, but it's both pros and cons coming back to the conclusion again. Yes, I definitely agree. I always remember this one time when I was still working in the big bank and I talked to one of our clients and he also used to work for a big company and then he opened his own company and he became our client. And I remember we were talking about entrepreneurship and about working in big corporations. And he said, never underestimate how much you can learn in a big corporation. Big corporations have all of this negative stuff going around, but you can learn so much and you can take this knowledge and you can apply it later on to your own company. Back then, I didn't really understand the magnitude of what he was saying. But now that I'm also in the startup world, I do understand the importance of having this experience from a big corporation where you do actually learn how things should work eventually. You learn how it is to work with different teams, how it is to deliver on time, how it is to have deadlines, how it is to implement structures, how it is to follow the rules, and how to organize processes in the most efficient way, which is, I think, the main thing that startups lack. And then if you never had this experience of working in a big corporation and you just go and you work in a startup, sometimes it can be really hard to figure things out on your own. But if you already have experience from big corporation, you can just take this model and apply it to the startup. Somebody who is just starting out, who is at the very beginning of their career, 
I would always tell them first go work for a corporation for a couple of years. Then once you get the basic knowledge of how things work in a perfect quote unquote way, then you can go and you can work for a startup and be a little bit more flexible with your approach. I do agree that, you know, in big companies, even though the work, you know, is a lot, I didn't mean in startup is less, but the more you work, the more you learn and the more you learn, the more you grow. And if it happens within a short time frame, then you grow much faster. Based on your background and everything that you just explained us, what is your interest in all these topics that your podcast is about? So personal finance, entrepreneurship, and how did these interests start? So how I decided to choose the key topics like money, career, entrepreneurship for my podcast is before I started doing this, I was thinking, how can I bring value to my audience and who are my audience? And then what kind of topics that would interest my audience from my own personal experience, because in the past year, a lot of happened about finance, entrepreneurship, in all this area. So I learned a lot myself. So I thought if I'm experiencing this, I'm sure there are a lot of other people out there who have experienced this or who can learn in these areas. And so I decided to do something not only for me, but also for people in the topics that helped me to grow and help me to improve my personal finance situation, help me to improve my career, help me to grow my business. That's why I decided to center around the three topics, which helped me, but also can help my audience. Back to that is in the past, I always work on brands and content that is for the business. So it's not for me or not for the people like me. So now I thought it's opportunity to do something to serve the audience that I want to serve. So that's why I decided on those three topics. And in terms of the topics themselves, so personal finance, meaning I bring guests coming to my podcast and I also publish a lot of blog articles on my website. It's all around the educational side is to really teach people the right money mindset, the right money habits, and also touching on investment and savings and different tips and tricks, how you can improve your overall personal financial situation. And then in the career side, I have the executive coach. I have people switching careers. You know, if a lot of people want to consider changing careers, but they do not want to forgo their years of experience and they do not know how to do that. You know, there are people who already done it. So if you just listen to the story from those people who have already done it and then they're very successful at it, then you see what did they do? How can you implement their experiences to yourself? And then you can probably also be successful. And the entrepreneurship is, for example, VCs or startup founders, and then how they successfully started their companies and what are the difficulties they have experienced, what are the tips they would give it to the other startup founders. So all these topics I wanted to, you know, relatable to people. It's not a super big name guests, but guests who can be your neighbors, who can be your friends, who can be your ex-colleagues. You know, if they have done it and they can do it, why not you? That's my idea of having this podcast and the blog articles really to help people in a more relatable way. You mentioned something about content creation. And I hear this a lot that people say, especially who are in this 
public space on social media, they say content is king. So what do you think about that? And what would you recommend maybe to other people or other startup founders about content creation? What is the importance of content creation and just being visible on social media? If I look at content for startups, I see it, they can use content as a way to reach out to the target audience. So nowadays, people do not just buy from you because you have a price label and you tell them what's your products. So nowadays, people buy because they trust you and then you can solve their problems and then they are willing to buy from you. Content is a way to help startups or any business to relate, you know, connect with their audience, target audience, and to tell them what they know and then to build up a credibility. So if you are, let's say, blockchain startup company, right? Why people want to use your technology? So you have to show to the people what you know. So how you show it to people what you know is by providing content, by teaching them in the area that they need help with. And over time, when they trust you, and then by the time when they need your service or your products, they will come to you, not the other people. I agree with you that, yes, content is king because people do not just buy because you have a promotion, because you have like a marketing advertisement, because they trust you and you have to show to them what you know and why you are trustworthy. So how to do that is through very valuable content, not pure content about your products, information, your team, your, you know, your corporate information. If I talk about personal finance, if you are a financial advisor, then you have to produce content about teaching people how to save more money, teaching people about taxes, teaching people about investment. You know, you have to bring value to them. Maybe 95% of your content will be free, but then the 5% value adding services that they will buy from you if they need your service. So nowadays, I think every company should start do content marketing and then generating valuable content for their target audience. Don't just think about selling things to them. First, think about how can you bring value to them? And then when they decide to buy, they will come to you and buy from you. I see so many companies are starting to do this content marketing, either in the form of podcasts or they're going live on social media or they are just posting videos on their YouTube channel. And, you know, I had an interesting opportunity to talk with one startup founder and he's actually part of the portfolio of the company that I work for. And I know that he's one of the rare startups that is constantly publishing content on social media. I actually had a chance to ask him about it. And then I asked him, do you actually see any benefit from all this activity on social media? Because he's all over social media. And he said, actually, yes. And this was very interesting because he said, you know, for example, when we go to startup competitions in our industry or in our space, or we go, you know, to some other events, but especially to uh, startup competitions, they say the jury already knows us because they've seen us on social media. We are producing this useful content. We are teaching people about internet security. And they say, you know, when we go, because we are kind of the thought leaders in this space and they already know us and this actually help us when they know you, then it works in your favor when you're, for example, at a competition or something similar. So yeah. absolutely, I think content creation is something that every company should do to Today. Unfortunately, not every company is doing. I guess for the ones who is doing content creation can already see results. But I think more and more companies should start to realize that it's important to start create content. 
And another thing I want to bring it up is that content creation will not result in sales directly. It's like you're raising a child. So the child takes time to grow and it will be like snowball effect. And it's not linear, it's exponential. But if you are rushing to see results and there's no sales coming in when you publish one article and two videos, it's normal. So you have to do it consistently and then to gain your audience and then to gain their trust and then to teach them, you know, the knowledge in the, your area of expertise and do it consistently with quality. And then over time, you will see results. That's for sure. And then the results will be, as you mentioned, like thought leader. Not that they only just heard about your name, but also they trust your name, your brand. So I guess that's one of the, I would say, misconceptions about content creation by companies who are not used to, you know, do a lot of marketing works. So I hope companies will start to realize the importance of content creation and the importance of doing it consistently. And then over a longer period of time, you will see results, but just don't rush it. They invest in some marketing efforts, but then they expect results to come immediately. And this is not actually how it works. So oftentimes when you work in marketing, you need to actually educate them and you need to keep repeating this. Look, guys, this is something that is long term. And if you run, for example, one social media marketing campaign, which is just trying to sell to people, we cannot expect to have results immediately. You know, it just takes time to build up. Yeah, because no big brands is are born big, right? Every single big brands, Coca-Cola, Nike, whatever, like Hens, every single brand is growing from small to big and it takes time. So I always say building a brand is like um, raising a child. You cannot expect to have an adult from one day to another. And how much work it takes to produce an episode of a podcast because oftentimes for example when you propose to companies okay you can try content creation they always think that it just requires so much work and we don't have resources you know they immediately think okay I have to do video podcast maybe I need video production crew or who is going to edit this long format of videos but I know because I'm also doing podcasting and I know that it does not take so much time how it looks from the beginning and especially if you choose for example, just to do audio podcast versus video. Of course, doing video podcast is better for the beginning. But if you don't have enough resources, you can also go just with an audio podcast or you can do blogging or, for example, you can record audio and then you can do blog transcript or you create a blog post, then you create an audio or in the end you do also video. It doesn't have to be professionally filmed if you don't have so many resources. It can still be very worth to your audience. Maybe you can tell us how does your content creation process work? What is the flow? How much time it takes to produce one episode? So let me start with finding the guest. So usually it will take um, not too much time, you know, a couple of emails and a message. And then then if the guest said, okay, I want to be part of your podcast, or even someone email me and they propose to be my guest. And then if the profile fits, and then the next step is I will send them a Google form. And in the form, I have a few basic questions. So I understand their profile, understand their business, understand, you know, what they can talk about in the podcast, you know, within these topics. And then next, I will prepare like some rough questions just to try to help us to guide through the podcast recording sessions. We know what we are going to talk about and the things we're talking about will be valuable for the audience, not just random chit chat. And then after that, I have the guideline, then I 
confirmed the date of the recording with the guests. Then we record, have the session, and after that, I will edit it and then send the guests the link. And if they're okay with the edited version, if you know there's something they're not happy with, they want to cut it out, then I can do that. And then once the version is finalized, then I will publish online on Spotify, like a Google Podcast and、um, Apple Podcast, different platforms. So this is my workflow in terms of how much time does it take me. I would say things are all a little bit here and there, right? So if I just say one podcast, it could be done from the beginning, contacting the guests till the end, posting within a day for sure. Because nowadays we are living in this amazing time that there are a lot of platforms online. There are a lot of Free resources and tools online, and it's very easy to use. And for example, in the past, you need a graphic designer to design something for you, and you need to pay the expensive license for Adobe, and in order to design. And now there's a Canva; everybody can do it. And then in the past, you know, a recording studio, and you have to record it, you have to upload it to somewhere. And nowadays, you just need a microphone. You can do it at home to record a podcast with Zoom or with Zencast or with other platforms. And then you can use like other softwares to edit it with artificial intelligence, so they can transcribe it for you automatically. I really appreciate the time that we are living in right now with so many resources and possibilities. Everybody can do a lot of things which were not possible in the past. So I would say, with one complete episode, I would take less than a day. And now I think also during Corona times, it's becoming usual to have online events or just to be on video calls. So this is another benefit. You know, if you want to start a podcast today, you don't even have to do it live. You can also do it online, and this gives you. The benefit of being able to have guests who are maybe not based just in your location, but also talk to international people, so your guest base can be even larger. Exactly, and there are so many free softwares to use when you want to edit your podcast yourself. You can use GarageBand, which which is free, comes with your MacBook. And also, you don't need an expensive production crew or expensive recording equipment because you can just use your laptop camera, for example, or just upgrade your laptop camera. You don't need to have maybe two professional cameras and separate record the audio separately and so on. So, well, what's、uh, even better is that you don't even need your laptop camera. You can use. Just your phone, because nowadays with the camera quality is so good in your smartphones, you can just use your smartphone camera. It's much better than your laptop camera. I use my、uh, extra iPhone as my camera. That is a very interesting tip. Okay, so what are your plans for the future with your podcast? The initial idea to have this podcast is really to bring the content that you know helped me personally, but I also wanted to help other people. Like who are experiencing certain difficulties or they need help in certain ways, so I want to consistently doing that, delivering contents that is useful to people, to my audience, and then on the second phase, I want to go something even deeper because there's so much you can talk about through podcast, and so next phase I'm collaborating with a financial imagineer. If people who have heard about my podcast in the past,、uh, you will know like we do weekly YouTube. 
live session every Wednesday on Fast Track YouTube channel. And we talk about everything money. So about investing, money habits, you know, myth about investing and saving, everything to help people to really improve their financial situation. Because financial imagineer, he achieved financial independence himself at age of 37. And he started learning how to manage money in his teen time even before 20 he already have a quite a great net worth because he has learned the skills from his family and if you do not have parents or like family members who teach you when you're a child you, you cannot learn it from anywhere because in, in school you don't learn that right you don't learn how to manage your money you learn how to earn money but you don't learn how to manage money so that's why we want to have this course the fast track money course to really help people step by step implement the process that he has used on himself over the last 20 years to help him achieve a great net worth and um, financial independence. And then this course will be really for everybody. If you never invested before, if you think you do not have enough savings, don't worry because we will teach you how you can save more money, how you can earn more money and how you can start investing. And eventually don't chase after money, but use it as a tool and don't work for money and learn how to make your money working for you. And that's a very important thing we don't learn in school. With the same philosophy as my podcast, we want to bring this course to help people and equip them with this essential life skills that they might not have learned from their families or they might not have learned themselves and then learn it in a systematic way and a proven way that I'm sure people can really benefit a lot from this course. So that's my next project, which is going to be launched in Q1. That was my next question. I wanted to ask you, when is the course going to be live? We, we target Q1 because we already prepared all the materials and then we are running it with a small group of people because we want to get some feedbacks and I want to improve it because the course is for the people, it's not for us. So we want to know how can we bring the most value to the students so they can drastically improve their personal financial situation or they know how to manage their money or even start investing long term. When the course is launched, send me the links and I'll link them below. In the meantime, where can people find you? People can find me on my homepage is fasttrack.life and there you can see all the episodes and then all the published articles. And you can also see the Fast Track Money Course landing page. Then you can read about it, what you will learn, and you can register for interest. But now when the episode is live, if the course is not live yet, then you can register for interest. And then lastly, you can also follow my Twitter account is Fast Track Life or at Fast Track Life. There we will upload all kinds of updates regarding episodes, content. And then lastly, it's the YouTube channel. So all the podcasts will be on the YouTube channel. And also every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central European time, we will have Fast Track Money live session with Financial Imagineer. Yes, in the end, I always ask my guests to give us three tips for other people who want to start their own business. So what would be your top three tips for people who are out there listening to this episode and thinking that they want to start a project? I think number one is really no what you really want to do. Not just idea or not just something came to your mind yesterday when you were taking a shower. You know, really understand, is this something you want to do no matter what happened? Because there will be a lot of difficulties along the way. 
So number one, know what you really want to do. Number two is to find a supporting network or mentors who can guide you, who can support you, who can help you. And that's tied back to my last episode. Last year is really number one lesson I learned is to find your tribe. So I think when you're starting out doing something on your own, you need a supporting group. So, and then the third one is to take actions and be patient. Because if you just keep thinking every day, nothing will happen, even though you will fail. But at least if you take actions, you know, so you will not keep thinking about it. So number three is taking actions. So I hope that you will be successful, but if you don't take actions, you will never know. And then be patient because nothing will happen from day one to day two. It takes time, it takes grind, it takes efforts, it takes your strong motivation to drive you through all the uncertain situations. As I mentioned, like starting a company, starting a project is difficult. <laughs> so be patient. So that's my three tips. And I actually really like your second point about finding your own tribe. Maybe you can say a couple of words about that, how important it is actually to have your support group. Because I also had this issue at the beginning when I worked in a large corporation and I was thinking, oh, I would really like to have my own company here in Switzerland, which is, I'm not from Switzerland. I moved to Switzerland from another country. So I lost all my support network when I moved here. When I was working in this corporation, I was thinking, all my colleagues and all my friends, they are also working in large corporations. I don't know anybody who is in the entrepreneurship scene. I don't know anybody who can give me an advice or from whom I can learn. I started to go to a lot of startup events where I met a lot of people and eventually I moved to the startup industry. I learned so much since I moved here and I'm surrounded by other entrepreneurs from whom I'm learning. When you're trying to start a new project, even just a thing like this, you know, just to start podcasting or if you are, I don't know, if you're an artist, you want doing something in that sense, I think it's very important to find your own people. So maybe you can give us an example from your experience, how it was for you. Do you have any support groups and are you talking to these people on a regular basis? Do you have mentors? The proven uh, results is my episodes. I keep having every single Tuesday. Most of the people at the beginning, they are from my networks, right? They're like amazing people I know. The more episodes you do, of course you are consuming your network. So where are those people coming from then? So that is really from my supporting group because one person could introduce another person to me, could introduce another person to me, could be introduce another person to me. So I get to know so many amazing people and they bring so much more valuable content to my podcast. I'm really grateful for that. So that is one part you can see really from my episodes. And on the other hand, for example, if you're starting out on a project, you know, try to find different supporting groups. For example, if you're an artist and then you want to improve your skills, try to find that great artist that inspired you, you want to learn from, and then you want to become like them. Just send them emails, get connected with them. And I think most people would love to help the others and help the other people to grow. So then learn from those people. Maybe you can consider it as a mentor. And then secondly, if you want to promote your art, if you want to open an art gallery or you want to exhibit your art in an art gallery and you don't know how to do that, then reach out to art gallery people or reach out to other people who have already experienced what you are experiencing right now. Then they can share their experiences with you. Maybe you can learn from them directly instead of you know, making all the mistakes or try and error yourself. 
So that's another way. No matter it is like a starting a podcast, starting your own project, you're starting your own company. If you are at the starting point, it's always very useful to ask people questions, to ask those who have done it, and to ask those who are successful at it, and then learn from them. So find mentors, and then there will be other group of people who are like you, also starting from point one. And then you can be together and share informations with each other and help each other to grow together. Because if you are helping other people, other people are helping you. You will grow much faster than being alone. I have a group, and then my business, and then with the podcast, and also there are people, you know, finding me, and then they send me messages directly. There are a lot of benefits I already have from having supporting groups. So. I really, really recommend everybody just to go out, reach out to people, and、uh, helping others, and others will help you. Thank you very much for sharing your experience with the podcast, guys. Make sure to go and check Yasi's podcast, and don't forget to subscribe to my channels to be notified when the next episode is out.